0: Nova Scotia. It's named after Scotland. Does it actually have a lot of Scottish people there?
1: You've got to be f***ing kidding me. Of course it does.
0: Oh, really? Is Nova Scotia so-called for that reason, or is it just kind of like, we've got New England, this one's a bit above it, might as well call it Nova Scotia. New New Brunswick. I doubt there are that many Brunswickers there.
1: No, there there are a ton of Scottish people in Nova Scotia, and especially in Maine.
0: And named after a French province. So how does that work with your uh, theory?
1: Migration. You know the Scots love entropy. Oh, yeah. I cannot believe I have to tell you this again.
0: Did they discover it, in fact? Who discovered the laws (laughs) of. Isn't. (laughs) Wait, isn't it? What's his face?
1: Yeah, so this thermodynamic concept was referred to by Scottish scientist and engineer William Rankin in 1850. Look at you! Welcome to Save Me From My Shelf, a literature podcast where we take classic tomes off their pedestal to make you less anxious about reading them. Our jokes come from a place of love and for a specific teaching purpose. However, if you think that making fun of great literature, and maybe some mild swearing, is offensive, this might not be the
0: podcast for you.
1: Hello, you are listening to Save Me From My Shelf. Taddy Scones over here is Daniel.
0: So I was like, What is that? Some kind of Scottish thing? <laughs>
1: Uh, yeah, I was trying to I was trying to make it you a little bit more themed this episode.
0: All right, so I need to think of what do they eat on Nova Scotia? <laughs> <laughs> it's, just, it's, like, what, it's like an IQ test, isn't it? Um, uh, what Scottish Americans? I'm oh, bollocks to this. Um...
1: <laughs> you could just call me Hash Brown.
0: Hash Brune. <laughs> <It's> yeah. <Abby. laughs> Any Nova Scotians listening? Write in and tell me what it is that you're kind consume.
1: Please write in. These are the pressing questions (laughs) that keep Daniel up at night. Oh, yeah. I'm going to be getting 3 a.m. emails. All right, Daniel, let's do some letters. I'm going to try this one because I think I'd like to try an accent.
0: Oh, great. Okay.
1: This is from Lauren, and it begins with, Greetings from wet and windy, wege wege. Hello, Abby and Daniel. That's the end. I'm done. I can't do it i've just listened to the epic of gilgamesh episode and it was hilarious i'm loving that you're covering ancient texts this season as i studied archaeology ancient languages and history at university many years ago i want to know what ancient languages
0: Ooh, yeah sanskrit
1: aramaic maybe yeah that's the only other one i can think of latin oh yeah the (laughs) the big one yeah Yeah.
0: punic Ooh. oh punic's gone Punic's gone, baby.
1: <laughs> Lauren, are you the last repository of Punic?
0: Wow, yeah.
1: Anyway, uh, she also... Yeah, now
0: a little bit of punic, I for travels.
1: She also gave her personal cubits, uh, which I, I was really pleased you, by. Thank you, yes. So uh, Lauren goes on to suggest some novels. Uh, she, she wants us to cover Patrick White, who's Australia's only Nobel Laureate of Literature so far, most famous for his novel Voss from 1957, and she'd also like to recommend The Twyborn Affair, 1979.
0: Can I intervene here. Yes. You there do. is a hemisphere that is crying out for the attentions of Save Me From My Shelf and we're just ignoring it, aren't we? We've had Brazil, now Australia. I'm sure we're gonna get some Zimbabweans writing in asking us to pick one of their great texts. What's wrong with us? Are we so hemispherically centric?
1: Well, as I've said before on this show, we tend to try to pick texts that are taught at A-level and GCSE in the UK. So we we are slightly beholden to what is being taught here. Lauren says, I'm happy to listen to you to discuss any books or plays, to be honest. You brighten my day every fortnight when your new episodes drop, and I've re-listened to many episodes for the joy they evoke. Please keep going on with your podcast I appreciate it and you so very much Aw, that's that's really sweet (laughs) A lovely
0: letter from Wet and Windy Wagga Wagga
1: Say it with the accent
0: The Australian accent? Yeah (laughs) Alright A lovely letter from Wet and Windy Wagga Wagga (laughs) Could have been anything (laughs) Yeah Here's an email from Sean On a recurring theme He says You guys should do The Magus by John Fowles It's really screwed up It'll be so funny So there's another
1: Another John Fowles Yeah What is happening with people suggesting John Fowles? I didn't... Yeah, as you were saying, like, he's a very good author, but I did not know...
0: Yeah, you know what I suspect? What do you suspect? Fowles (laughs) (laughs) play. Fowles play. See, I saw
1: that joke coming, and I thought, surely not. (laughs) Never in all my years of show business would I have expected such cheap humour. But there it is. Okay, and then we have a follow-up letter from Fabio. And Fabio was responding to our Odyssey episode, and he actually wrote us a really useful compendium of, like, all, all the, the bit- mistakes we made. All the things going- I-, I know it sounds like I'm taking the piss, but I actually did really appreciate it. So that sort of triggered an idea that Daniel and I had, which is that at the end of the year, after we've done all of our proper episodes, we are going to do a sort of of end-of-year wrap-up where we discuss this past season and also have a sort of errata, things we've messed up or jokes we should have made but didn't. And so, Fabio, in that episode, I'm going to run through some of the issues that we, you know, f***ed up (laughs) on the Odyssey. Uh, He also writes, have you considered doing the Iliad? Well, yes, I think we would love to do that, especially because Emily Wilson, whose Odyssey version we used, she's just come out with a... She's done a new one. She's done a translation of the Iliad. And, of course, people are giving her a lot of grief because she's a lady doing translation. And everyone knows women can't translate things. No,
0: women write books, you know, they're creators. Men... Wrangle it. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. Yeah, exactly. We're the translating people.
1: What (laughs) what else does uh, Fabio suggest? Well,
0: Fabio who I think is of the Portuguese persuasion. So we've been led to believe? Says it's his patriotic duty to suggest something Portuguese. Os Maias by Essa de Carios is an amazing book. He is good, isn't he, Essa de Carios? Yeah, he's very slowly being translated into English, isn't he? But Mm. Os Maias is this sort of big epic, I think.
1: Okay, and this is a reminder that Daniel and I teach here at Aston University. We teach English literature, and we also have a master's in English that's brand new this year. So if you want to study with us, we have this really cool, like, dead poet society, inspirational vibe. Daniel likes to sit backwards in chairs a lot. We'll let you call us teach or doc, just like real dangerous minds. If that's the sort of teaching experience you would like from us please do sign up for our courses. So Daniel what is our text today?
0: Picture if you will, a precious stone set in the Silver Sea another Eden, a demi paradise, a little world populated by a happy breed of men a land of rolling green hills with barmaids of rosy cheeks face and posterior (laughs) picture foaming mugs of warm ale long shadows on bowling greens invincible green suburbs and of course the merry bard of Avon himself William Shakespeare oh this septed isle, this England although actually it does have another half doesn't it, the island I've just been informed and not only does this island have another half but someone from that other half now rules the whole place so where does this guy come from, this new king? A barren, blasted heathscape, dotted with thistles and crags, with an economical breed of men and a monstrous regiment of old hags, hollow of cheek, face, and posterior. <laughs> Bowls of cold, salty porridge, foaming cups of iron brew, swarms of midges floating across cabotos courts. Oh, this sterile promontory, this Scotland. So, doing Macbeth. That's the sort of vibe I get from the play.
1: So, if that weren't offensive enough, especially coming from an Englishman, laid over that, we have Irish bagpipes just because we want to be real on our shit as early as possible today. and um we just want to really lower your expectations. It's not going to get better than this. Mm. I feel like I do need to counter the offensiveness by saying that I lived my first six years in the UK in Scotland. So this is
0: mainly me making fun of you, isn't it? Yeah,
1: pretty yeah. much. I'm the hollow-cheeked crone. Yeah. Posterior and facial or whatever <laughs> whatever you said. I think, Daniel, I might attempt some Scottish accents Hooray!
0: today. Hooray! Wow, it's exciting, yeah. Well, we'll me see. too, naturally. I can't be stopped, to be honest. <laughs> They're trying to stop me. Like that, right?
1: <laughs> so we should go without saying we're about to spoil... This text for you. In terms of the content, you know, it's a dark one. Famously so. There's murder, suicide, child death, betrayal, madness, gaslighting, and manipulation. And your typical, like, witches and ghosts and all things that go bump in the night.
0: Little bit of racism.
1: Little bit of drinking.
0: A fair bit of drinking. Fair bit
1: of drinking. Some nudge-nudge-wink-wink sex stuff.
0: Well, come on, it's Shakespeare.
1: Quite. Yeah. Speaking of background.
0: So we all know about Shakespeare now, don't we? How he's a fake. Um, (laughs) So we don't know the precise dating of Shakespeare's works, but Macbeth, I think of all the plays we've covered so far, Macbeth is probably the latest. And as I was kind of implying in the set the scene, things changed quite a lot in England by this stage in Shakespeare's career because Elizabeth the first had died and James the sixth of Scotland was now, you know, in her place becoming James the first of England. This united the island in personal union and then although England and Scotland had separate laws and governments, they would become you know, the Great Britain we know now in 1707. He was a Scot, James was. He was also a bit mad about witchcraft and had recently written a book called Demonology in 1597 about identifying demons and witches and stuff. So I think the idea is with Macbeth is Shakespeare was like, oh, better get in with the new boss scotland witches i'll do a play about that and that's where macbeth comes from <laughs> so the actual story of macbeth it draws loosely from real events so there was a macbeth mcfinley who was king of scotland in the 11th century he usurped the throne from King Duncan, the previous guy and Macbeth himself was overthrown by an English force led by Duncan's son who would be crowned Malcolm III so Shakespeare probably knew about this history from Hollandshed's Chronicles you know it was quite a recent book, 1587 it was a history of the British Isles and it's where he got the content of a lot of his plays from so the history plays are obviously all kind of modelled after elements of the Hollandshed Chronicles as well as other sources but also more kind of fanciful plays like Macbeth, King Lear and Cymbeline. So yeah, Macbeth, because it's so fanciful, it is more about the kind of relationship between sort of personal psychology, political structures, and the role of the supernatural. And I think that's one of the reasons why it's had so many different adaptations. So some focus on Macbeth's ambition, some about the kind of political turmoil of the setting, some emphasize the power of evil magic. So there are loads of these different adaptations, aren't there? worth mentioning a few famous ones. So there's Orson Welles' 1936 version that was made in Harlem with an all black theatre company. So we kind of moved it to Haiti, and it's like a sort of quote unquote voodoo Macbeth, which was supposed to be very good.
1: That sounds really good, actually. Yeah. I've never even heard of this adaptation. Oh, no, was
0: re- it was a big deal when it came out. Akira Kurosawa's samurai film, Throne of Blood, is an adaptation of Macbeth. That is an excellent very, very good. version of that. There's all mafia adaptations from all over the world, from America, India, Madagascar, apparently. So I think, although it deals with historical events, it's very much more a kind of thematic kind of uh, exploration of the supernatural and evil and stuff like that, isn't it?
1: I don't want to say that I'm a better filmmaker than Orson Welles and Akira Kurosawa, but I think my adaptation that I have at the end of the episode... It's really gonna blow those two out of the water
0: Well, I mean, you're more like a casting agent, aren't you?
1: No, 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 this is conceptual <laughs> Okay, right, this one, okay. This one is very conceptual
0: Right, great Well, I've got a casting too, so...
1: And you've we'll, made it very clear I am not to cut right, a we'll word see, of it but, yeah.
0: <laughs> We open in Scotland Thunder, lightning, the works Enter three witches, and they're chanting, they're saying all sorts of mad stuff.
1: Damn, that is a strong start for Shakespeare.
0: Even if made fundamentally pathetic by yours truly. "Quote: Where shall we three meet again? When the hurly-burly's done, when the battles lost and won? Where, on the heath? There to meet with Macbeth." It's Uh,
1: a little bit of a board meeting going on. You know, they're like, "Hey, here are our action points. Let's touch base again soon. We'll see where our strategic priorities are."
0: The witches have another, as well as about the battle being lost and won, they have another of these kind of um, paradoxical chants. Fair is foul, and foul is fair. Hover through the fog and filthy air. So, very atmospheric, isn't it?
1: Filthy (laughs) air.
0: It's sort of a cold open because we've very quickly moved now on to the court of King Duncan of Scotland and his sons, Malcolm and Donald Bane.
1: It's a bane of all Donalds.
0: Yeah, exactly, yeah.
1: Hello, I'm Donald (laughs) Bane! My dad is King Duncan.
0: That's what Don, that's what, Donald Bain's a bit of a dweeb, isn't he?
1: Hello, i Donald Bain. Donald Bain would absolutely be a fan of Partick Thistle. Oh god, I'm looking forward to getting so many angry letters. What? They're never gonna let me back The up house there.
0: of Donald Bain just, will or you.
1: Just any of our Scottish fans, I am so sorry. And my accent's not going to make it
0: much better. Hooray! So, we're at this court. A wounded captain turns up to give report of the recent battle. If you don't know, Scotland is at war with Norway and Ireland.
1: What does Shakespeare have against Norway, Daniel? Because this is goddamn Fortinbras all over again.
0: Vikings. I don't know. That's a long resentment, the Viking resentment, <laughs> isn't it? Not only is Scotland at war with two countries, count them. Worse still some local scot macdonwald has done a benedict arnold <gasps> yeah he's betrayed scotland so the kingdom looks like it's you know it's on its knees
1: no no says the captain don't worry about it my king your loyal friend and servant macbeth has already parked right up in norway's asshole about it
0: very Shakespearean. Um, so, quote, For brave Macbeth, well he deserves that name, disdaining fortune with his brandished steel, which smoked with bloody execution, like Valor's minion, carved out his passage till he faced the slave, which ne'er shook hands, nor bad farewell to him, till he unseamed him from the nave to the chaps, and fixed his head upon our battlements. So nasty stuff. He fought his way through the enemy forces to McDonald. Like the end of a really baller action movie? The the very same. But this is the beginning. Imagine that. The end of a (laughs) baller. This is the beginning. He sliced the guy from his ass up to his neck and then chopped his head off and put it on the Settlements, nasty stuff so everyone's like wow what a great guy macbeth is and they all cheer and everyone's like hooray
1: yeah they're gonna lift macbeth over their heads later like he's some sort of pro wrestling belt just the absolute mvp of murder i'm also i'm not gonna lie i might struggle slightly hearing these accents because terrible no 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 in a different way do you know who you sound like you sound like my boyfriend david tennant
0: Oh, wow. So,
1: oh, this is going to be my greatest challenge to date. Mm, Okay.
0: Yeah, seems like everything's going really well. Duncan's very pleased with this report. Bad news, though. Not only was Macdonald a traitor, but so too was one of the top Scottish nobles. (gasps) The Thane of Cawdor.
1: What's a Thane?
0: Well, you seem to think it's equivalent to a duke. I thought it was more like an earl or something. It was like a big wig anyway.
1: You said earl, I said duke.
0: Let's call the whole thing off. The <laughs> Thane's a, a bane. I know. You you, can you stop trying to force Scottish things into English categories?
1: I'm just trying to provide a little it's, context. Uh, a little bit
0: imperialist. Yeah. Don't
1: think you're going to win me back with your Scottish accent later because it's not going to
0: happen. <laughs> so, the Thane of Cordo, he's betrayed Scotland. But, good news, he's been arrested. So, Duncan's like, ooh, that's, oh, oh, I'm sad about that. But he's like, very well done, Macbeth.
1: Is there nothing God's own quarterback
0: can't do? Well, we'll find out, won't we? So, quote, go pronounce Cordor's present death and with his former title, greet Macbeth. So, great, Cordor's getting stripped of his titles and Macbeth, he's already the Thane of Glams. Now he's getting promoted.
1: So this is going to put him, basically, in the most powerful position of any man besides the king and his sons. we Donald Bane. (laughs) This is already my favorite character. Please don't stop doing it. I I want Donald Bane to just crop up in the back of scenes, wherever you can inject Donald Bane. And Donald Bane was there too. (laughs) (laughs) Alright, so that's all the political stuff, right? I want the witches, more of them. Where have they been? Well, one of them has been killing pigs, and the other (laughs) has been trying to eat chestnuts off some random woman's lap. And I was like, "Mm, is that a queer reading? Thing is, the random woman, she's like, no, ma'am, please do not snuffle chestnuts off my lap.
0: should have put them there, love.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so the witch, not accustomed to being told no, is like, great, I'm going to destroy your husband. And I was like, oh, oh, this is definitely a queer reading. Mm, yeah. God, these women lead such rich lives, you know, lap chestnuts and hog slaughtering. Anyway, back to the plot, because this was a f***ing useless scene, and yet I wouldn't trade it for all the tea in China. Okay, so the witches are off doing their thing. Oh hey, there's that guy Macbeth and his friend Banquo who are passing by. Let's do a little witchy dance. So Banquo sort of helped Macbeth in the battle. He's another aristocrat. He's a little bit of a himbo. I think we need a oh, we, we need a yeah. himbo sting for him. Macbeth, meanwhile, just going about his business. He's a bit overwhelmed, you know, he's had kind of a big day, and he still hasn't even heard that he's been given the traitor cawdors. Thanedom? Thanery?
0: Thaneship.
1: And he says, So foul and fair a day I have not seen. And that kind of recalls the witches, fair as foul and foul as fair lines.
0: Oh yeah, didn't even think that. Nah, no, I did. I'm joking.
1: Are you impressed with my range, Daniel? Did you know that I could almost
0: do a Scottish accent? It was very, like, very tight-mouthed, wasn't it? Oh, you know, you, know, you know what I mean?
1: Did my lips purse up and look like a teeny-tiny asshole? Wow.
0: Well. The wrong end of a haggis.
1: (laughs) So the witches go, hi, we're the Weird Sisters, and we just wanted to introduce ourselves. We know who you are. You're Macbeth, the Thane of Glam's. Macbeth's like, well, yes, that's right. And you're also the Thane of Cawdor. Macbeth's a bit like, what, no, no, and they say, you shall be king hereafter. "'Girl say what?' You can't say that with a Scottish accent. That's...
0: "'Girl say what?' I think you did it, yeah. "'Lassie say what?'
1: <laughs> so Bank was like, "'Oh, Macbeth, these these women can clearly see the future, "'and they're saying such nice things will happen to you.'"
0: "'Do me now. Like, do, "'Do me, do me!'
1: <laughs> "'Oh, my little himbo baby.'" And so the witches are like, "'All right, here's your future, dummy.'" Quote, "'Lesser than Macbeth and greater. "'Not so happy, yet much happier.'" thou shalt get kings though thou be none so in other words what they're saying is banquo you're never going to be a king yourself but your descendants will be macbeth's a bit like ladies sorry afraid i'm gonna need some more information how is it even possible that i become king when our king has two grown healthy sons
0: um one grown healthy son
1: (laughs) and then there's (laughs) me The witches sort of go, ha ha, smoke bomb, and disappear. I'm also, I really have to apologize to our Scottish listeners. I sound like an out of work Shrek impersonator. So basically, long story short, the witches have laid down these huge prophecies for these two guys and then have just disappeared. The men are dumbfounded, but then two of their other buddies, Ross and Angus, run into them on the road. Oh my God, Macbeth, we've been looking for you everywhere. In light of your huge achievements on the battlefield, the king has stripped the traitorous Cawdor of his title, and he's giving it to you. What's up, double fame? So Macbeth and Banquo have a sort of like, huh, 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 mm. huh, back and forth, staring at each other. <laughs> and Banquo's like, okay, that was really freaky, but you know, you just beware what those women said. Sometimes, quote instruments of darkness tell us truths win us with honest trifles to betray us in deepest consequence so in other words satan's creatures can tell people little half truths to goad us to our own destruction so like macbeth buddy friendo tread lightly with this whole you'll be king prediction and macbeth's like yeah yeah of course of course i'll be careful but he has kind of a little sidebar with himself he admits they've already started to plant the seed of him murdering the king. Uh,
0: well, that, and that's what's gonna happen next. <laughs> <laughs> Stay tuned. Great, the hurly burly, that's done with. Hopefully, hey. Eh? Anyway, so anyway, great time for Duncan to rule over a peaceful kingdom with the help of his loyal retainers. Best of all, Macbeth. Duncan dolls out a bunch of other promotions. It's not just Macbeth that's getting gongs. Uh, so his son Malcolm has been made Prince of Cumberland, and the Lucrative sausage. <laughs> <concerns> Fortune. <laughs> that, that entails. Sausage. Sausage concern. monopoly.
1: What about Banquo? I mean, he helped out a lot.
0: Yeah, he gets his, uh, the king's respect.
1: Oh. So. Okay. He's like, it's
0: like, puts his fist out just like, respect. Banquo.
1: Respect, as the as the uh, kids say it.
0: Yeah. It doesn't even bother with the tea.
1: 15 years ago yeah. is how the kids were saying
0: that. <laughs> so anyway, despite all... Duncan's talk of loyalty, Macbeth, his mind is already turned to, you know, fulfilling the prophecy, quote, the Prince of Cumberland, that is a step on which I must fall down or else or leap for in my way it lies, stars, hide your fires, let not light see my black and deep desires.
1: Oh, yeah, that's good. good. That's yeah. some, I, I don't know if anyone has ever said this, but Shakespeare's a really good writer.
0: Yeah, that's he has his moments. Right, Whenever, yeah, it's winning me over.
1: Also, just like baby shame dies in the light. Like, go to confession about this. Get get this out there. Don't let this fester.
0: So, Macbeth, he's only told one person about his deep desires, his wife, who happens to be called Lady Macbeth.
1: She doesn't get a first name or anything, or
0: she's very excited about the prophecy. But she's a little bit worried to herself that Macbeth is, quote, to follow the milk of human kindness.
1: Oh, my husband's so sensitized.
0: Yeah, I know, yeah. Yeah, he's ambitious, sure. Sure he's ambitious, but he lacks the killer instinct.
1: Yeah, there's a lot in this play about gender dynamics, especially in their relationship. Mm. So for all of his, like, manly prowess on the battlefield, Macbeth, like, it, it's strongly implied through the play that he, like, lacks the balls to make anything happen. And Lena Macbeth is nothing but balls. She, like, kind of makes everything happen. And so this misalignment in traditional gender norms is kind of metaphorically represented by their lack of children, or surviving children, at least.
0: Well, not only that, I mean, Lady Macbeth says it herself, doesn't she, with this soliloquy, Mm -hmm. quote, Come, you spirits that tend on mortal thoughts, unsex me here and fill me from the crown or Maybe croon, To the toe, top full of direst cruelty, make thick my blood, stop up the access and passage to remorse. That no compunctious visitings of nature shake my fell purpose, nor keep peace between the effect and it. Come to my woman's breasts and take my milk for gall. She's or-
1: escalating. Yeah. I mean, your husband... I guess hasn't even had his promotion for a full day and you're already selling your soul. You're already transitioning, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, well, there's that joke from um, the sassy gay friend Macbeth video where he's like, she's praying away her femininity like at a gay conversion camp. Spoiler, it doesn't work. (laughs) But also what's interesting, I think, is that Macbeth is supposed to be the ambitious one Mm. in that he's like, oh, there's no man that outranks me except for Duncan and his sons. Lady Macbeth is really the ambitious one because there's no woman in Scotland that we know of who outranks her at all. Like, it's, I think it's implied Duncan's a widower. Look, like, she's the most powerful woman in Scotland, mm. whether or not her husband is king.
0: Mm. So and she's not even a woman anymore. So she's unsexed. She's the most powerful hermaphrodite. In <laughs> Non-binary. That's Should we call is,
1: her Lady Macbeth?
0: Whee! very good. Yeah, a bloody woke mob is trying to call her Lady Macbeth. Macbeth. <laughs>
1: so all right they've decided we're gonna go ahead with this we're gonna kill the king and good news for the plotters Duncan and his retinue have decided they're coming to stay at Macbeth's castle for a bit and it's a bit like thanks for the heads up Macbeth like I get the impression that he knew about this but didn't tell his wife till later and she's like great I haven't had a chance to go to Tesco the house is simply a mess typical man but despite that Here's the plan. We're going to get King Duncan's men drunk tonight, and then you, Macbeth, will sneak into his room and kill him. But Macbeth, you need to play it cool because you look anxious as hell. Quote, your face, my thane, is as a book where men may read strange matters. To beguile the time, look like the time. Bear welcome in your eye, your hand, your tongue. Look like the innocent flower but be the serpent under it. I love that line. I have loved that line since I was a teenager.
0: Better than got a rocket in your pocket, keep coolie cool boy. (laughs) Isn't it? Which is the next bit. (laughs) There's a lot of that sort of like tits and teeth, tits and teeth, big (laughs) smiles, please, Macbeth, big smiles, I want you to push those feelings down.
1: I don't want to girl boss Lady Macbeth too much and pretend that Shakespeare was some sort of ardent feminist.
0: (laughs) Quite the opposite, I think.
1: (laughs) But she really has her s*** together because she is Joan Hollowaying an entire elaborate party out of thin air and concocting the whole murder plot, and Macbeth, meanwhile, can't even organize his own f***ing face.
0: Yeah, I mean, you're right. How many two and a half litre bottles of iron brew <laughs> and book fast are you going to need for this? Shouldn't joke about book fast, should you? It's a, it's a proper... Sacred? Pro- no, it's probably a health problem. <laughs> no,
1: it's a So King Duncan, Prince Malcolm, and Malcolm's little himbo buddy Banquo arrive. So the party starts, great vibes. But where's Macbeth? Oh, he's just inside having a monologue freak (laughs) out about how he wants to just get the whole nasty murder thing over with so Macbeth is properly bugging out about like the dishonor he's about to do in his sacred role as duncan's host plus he thinks duncan's actually a really good king he's humble he's fair he's innocent people are gonna hate me for doing this
0: tax policies as well <laughs> they' don't really talk about the actual governance
1: do they? So Lady Macbeth has a real go at him for being a coward and she's like, "You know what I was so turned on by you before when you were all decisive and strong and stabby, but I'm not interested in you now." You cuck whoa beta cuck She gets a little weird with it quote "I have given suck and know how tender tis to love the babe that milks me I would." while it was smiling in my face, have plucked my nipple from its boneless gums, and dashed the brains out, had I so sworn as you have done this. So in other words, she's like, hey, I've given birth before, and I know how delightful it is to breastfeed a sweet little baby, but if I had promised that I would tear that kid from my boob and smash its head in the way you promised to kill King Duncan, nothing would stop me from killing it. So you made a promise, you best follow through. Bitch is also obsessed with breast milk. This is the third time
0: she has mentioned she's it. She's having it all, isn't she? You're right. <laughs> Lactating. Being a girl boss. This is... That's, <laughs> those are the two. Those are the two things that's that, that, that's, that, that that's... women can f- fulfill themselves by doing, and she's done it.
1: <laughs> so um, there's a lot made over the fact that the Macbeths are childless, but I feel like people overlook this passage... Where it says, like, I've given birth before, because Mm. I recently watched the Michael Fassbender version, and they add a scene at the beginning where the Macbeths are burying their recently deceased young son, and they sort of play, like, Lady Macbeth spiraling out of control as, like, a, a grief response.
0: All right. Make excuses for her bad behavior. Okay.
1: What's that thing the kids are saying? I support women's rights, but I also support women's wrongs. (laughs)
0: what's all these witty remarks that the kids are saying are all the kids turning into like dorothy parker or something every week you've got some witty remark from the kids
1: i mean it's a you know rejuvenation of the algonquin table yeah Yeah. so anyway they have a whole thing you know chit-chatting about this macbeth really worries that they're gonna fail you know what we only have one chance at this and you know the odds aren't great lady macbeth tells him to
0: screw your courage to the sticking place Nag, 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 nag. That's, this, that's what's going on here, isn't it? I think.
1: Macbeth congratulates his wife on her masculine spirit. He's like, You're too much of a man for me to handle. And I was like, Queer reading? Yes, please. Why not? Yeah. Anyway, Macbeth's back on board. He loves this plan. Let's do
0: it, baby. They're power couple winning. That's, that's the sort of thing I'm getting. Scotland's first power couple. I'm trying to think of another one Adam Smith and his mum. <laughs> <laughs> So, it's a dark night after the victory piss-up at Macbeth's castle. Heaven's candles are all out. Ooh. Nice line. So, everybody's, you know, gone to bed after a few, too many tenants, lager.
1: The rusty nail and iron brew and whiskey.
0: Yeah, all the nice whiskies. Forgot the other. So, everybody's pissed. Only Banquo and his boy, Fleance. 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 Nice name. They're still up.
1: Goddamn nerd. Yeah.
0: Thanks, Dad. (laughs) I I did it to make you mean. (laughs) Um, Casting Johnny Cash as Banquo. So oh yeah, Macbeth comes and joins them, he's still up too. So Banquo and Macbeth have a little bit of a chat about the witches again, the three wayward sisters. Banquo is worrying that one of the predictions that Macbeth would become Thane of Cawdor has already come true. What does this mean about the others? And Macbeth's like, oh I hadn't thought about that in ages. Um, I wouldn't worry about it if I were you. And Bank was like, great, okay, see ya, Good night. <laughs> yeah, exactly. yeah, yeah, off then. So, Macbeth is alone at last. Or is he someone or something joins him? Quote, quote me please. Is this a dagger which I see before me? The handle toward my hand. Come, let me clutch thee. I have thee not, and yet I see thee still. Art thou not, fatal vision, sensible to feeling as to sight? Or art thou but a dagger of the mind?
1: Oh, you're back on your David Tennant shit. I forgave you for whatever I was mad at you for earlier.
0: Yeah, fuck RSC if you want me. <laughs> 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 I'm happy to put Donald <laughs> Bain too, I could do both. <laughs>
1: That's unusual double casting, Donald Bane and Macbeth.
0: <laughs> yeah. So Macbeth has a vision of a dagger, and it guides him to the guest bedroom. King Duncan, he's sleeping there. Fade to black. Meanwhile, Lady Macbeth's in her room, and her husband turns
1: up. So yeah, she's kind of idiot-proofed the plan um, and ensured that the servants were totally out of it. Like, is it implied that she drugged them or just kept feeding them booze? Slipped them a mecky. A mecky fen.
0: Y- well, yeah. <laughs> There we go.
1: And she's even laid out their daggers nice and neat so Macbeth can't help but find them and, you know, use them to kill the king. And she's still worried that this idiot she's married has ballsed it up.
0: Macbeth turns up. Hello, Lady Macbeth. Quote, I've done the deed. She says that in a normal voice. (laughs) Uh, I'm feeling a bit funny about it, truth be told. Lady Macbeth's like, These deeds must no be thought after these ways so it will make us mad. Bit of a foreshadowing horn there, I think. She's telling them not to worry about going crazy for being bad let's see what happens there <laughs> uh, so anyway but that's he's all covered in blood he's a right mess the steer of you exactly an absolute dolt that he is He has brought the murder weapons back with him it's like when you you know when you hit a rounder and then you run around with the bat and the teacher says you meant to leave the bat
1: no Daniel I have no idea what it's you're, like is this baseball a, is this a cricket thing no
0: oh, rounders it's like ba- it's base- okay you're playing baseball you hit a home run and then you bring the bat with you and...
1: Thank you! Why can't you put it in terms that I understand? Rounders, maybe you're supposed to take the bat. I don't know your
0: life. It's same. It's essentially the same game, but with a smaller bat. So Lady Macbeth's like, You absolute numpty. You need to go and put those daggers back on Duncan's guard so you can properly frame them. And Macbeth's like, Oh, I don't want to. I can't. I'm too freaked out from... Oh, I can't do it. Lady Macbeth, she's like, Oh, I've got to do everything myself. You know, a woman's work is never done. <laughs> So she goes and grabs the daggers and plants them on Duncan's drunkenly sleeping guards. Drunken's drunkenly sleeping (laughs) guards. Now the pair of them are covered in blood. Quote, Will all great Neptune's ocean wash this blood clean from me hand? Another foreshadowing horn there, (laughs) I think.
1: Somebody starts knocking on the south entry. And, and, Macbeth, both of our hands are covered in blood. Quick, we gotta wash up and pretend to be asleep. Then we cut to the porter at the gate, who goes to answer the knock, and he has this whole little doddery monologue, pretending he's the gatekeeper of hell, and, oh, I've got a terrible hangover, and he's, you know, he's a bit of a boozy philosopher, he's wearing his tam the shanter it's got the two beer cans on the side, and the big straw. <laughs> I kind of like this scene, I think we need a little gallows humor right now as a palate cleanser, mm-hmm. um, I think this is good pacing. The scene, it does go on for a bit of a stretch, though, um, you know, lots of knocking, In the episode on Poe, I made a joke about how it sounded like uh, Martin Luther was nailing his 95 theses to the door. Here it sounds like he's nailing them one at a time. Mm. And so finally, the porter answers the door, and we're introduced to two new characters, Macduff and Lennox, who are two other noblemen under Duncan's rule. Hey, you know, we're here to wake the king up. He's got a really early start today, um... Kind of weird energy in the castle right now. <laughs> anyway, show us to his room. They're let in and they discover the body. Lady Macbeth comes out. She's doing this big fake yawn. She's going, "Hey, what's with all the noise? Is something wrong?" By this point, the whole house is awake. We got Banquo. We got the Macbeths. We got King Duncan's two sons. There. Where's my daddy? <laughs> <laughs> I need to see my daddy. I had a dream. I had a funny dream. There was a hag and it was talking to me. <laughs> so it's a real whodunit lineup. I think we can probably safely discount Donald Bane.
0: You yeah, never know. You never know. He's like the kid from The Omen, isn't he?
1: <laughs> After a brief investigation, it looks like it was the king's own guards. They're covered in blood. Macbeth pretends to go a bit mad in his grief over the king and he rushes off and he stabs the two sleeping guards. Oh, what a rash moment. Why did I do it? Now they can never tell us why they murdered the king. To aid in the confusion, Lady Macbeth pulls a whole fainting routine and the men are all distracted and everyone, honestly, they buy how upset she is because ain't nothing sticking to her, my Teflon queen. Prince Malcolm, though the you know King Duncan's son, he's like mm, Donald Bain. Something fishy's going on here. Whoa, whoa. <laughs> I smell nothing. And Donald Bane agrees. He says, "There's daggers and men's smiles. The nearer blood, the nearer bloody." <laughs> so, in other words. It's our closest friends and relatives who are most likely to kill us. So the two princes, they're like, we need to get out of here now before we're done in two. So I'm Malcolm, I'm going to fuck off to England. You, Donald Bane, you fuck off to Ireland. You know, the country we're still at war with. Fuck you, Donald Bane. Oh, I'll go to my, Into the bosom of my enemies. <laughs> that's fine. <laughs> ah, that's fine so the two princes they flee without saying goodbye they're kind of run out of town wild west style
0: Irish goodbye and an English one (laughs) very good that's
1: actually good news for Macbeth he can't kill the princes sure but their departure looks mighty suspicious to everyone did they have something to do with
0: Duncan's murder (laughs) Donald did it (laughs) it's the thought of Donald Ben doing it now it's so funny it has to be true.
1: <laughs> so sure enough, the princes are basically disinherited and Macbeth, as the next most powerful man in Scotland, is crowned king. I guess they had a vote or something.
0: Yeah, that's what you do they did do stuff like that back then though, didn't they? That's why Claudius becomes king and not Hamlet. Bit of an ent moot situation. The very same. Yeah, ent So Banquo, he's having a chat with Macbeth. So buddy, thou hast it now. King Cawdor, Glamzol, glams Rock. <laughs> all as the weird women promised. And, and, and isn't it a bit weird that well, they said you'd be king, but my sons and grandsons would be kings thereafter? Well, how did that work? Oh, sorry, oh sorry. my sweet, beautiful himbo. He's lovely, isn't he? Nice guy. But um, that's like, oh, yeah, me too. Oh, that's, it's very strange, isn't it? But anyway, tonight we hold a solemn supper. Classic solemn supper, <laughs> Scottish style. to mourn Duncan and appraise the national situation going forward a bit of a. Oh well, look, we've
1: we've reverted back to. it. I don't know.
0: I'm just flipping flipping around. I think assume, assume when I'm speaking in a Scottish accent it's a direct quote, but it might not be.
1: <laughs> You're done for the day. Yeah. You are punching that time card. Yeah,
0: yeah. <laughs> it's a bit of it's working lunch, isn't it? That's what I call this. Sort of, sort of, <laughs> so it's, a, it's like, like morning, It's like a wake, but they're also gonna be talking about policy so anyway Banquo is like i've I've gotta go and go on a raid for a moment please alone with my son through the isolated woods so chitty bye macbeth is starting to turn against Banquo, isn't he i'm sad to say he thinks that Banquo, because he was the only other witness to the witch's predictions kind of knows too much i don't have any kids and i don't want fleance Banquo's loser of a son (laughs) to succeed, you know, he'll succeed me over my dead body. (laughs) Ha 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 ha. That's that's Daniel joke. That's a prefab. Because that's how how monarchy works, isn't it? So anyway, immediately after Banquo leaves, some hired goons turn up at Macbeth's invitation to do away with him and Fleance.
1: Listen, I know we should frown on child murder, but this plan is what my grandpa would call just plain horse sense. (laughs) And... If you're looking for a bit of find-the-phallus masculinity reading, there's a particular moment here where I'm like, ooh, bit hard to deny. So Macbeth starts lamenting not having any sons of his own, and he says, Upon my head they placed a fruitless crown and put a barren scepter in my grip. Barren scepter, fruitless crown. We're picking up what you're putting down, Mac Daddy. That's what the
0: kids call McDonald's. He's got something funny going on with his knob.
1: I mean me
0: My boys I gonna swim <laughs> I can't swim no more
1: <laughs> And anyway the, his hired goons that he's brought here to kill Banquo apparently they have some previous beef with Banquo so they are only too happy to murder him and his kid Some so real he,
0: Aberdeen Angus sorry
1: They they're basically like shorting, boss and they head out to the forest. So Now we cut back to Lady Macbeth. Queen Macbeth, Queen Lady?
0: Queen Lady. Queen
1: Lady Macbeth. So she comes in to talk to her husband and she's like, baby, we got everything we wanted. Why are you acting all depressed? You're bumming the haggis out. Oh, nothing wrong, says Macbeth, except that my head is full of scorpions. Not nice and she's like oh oh so you're like going crazy crazy then she tries to talk him down like she spends most of this play doing and she's like baby compartmentalize dissociate go visit a lock or something you know how you love standing water then we cut to the three murderers in the woods and they very quickly ambush and stab banquo mm. With his dying breath, he yells at his son Fleance to run, don't look back, and avenge me! And Fleance, despite his dork-ass name, he actually manages to uh, escape the murderers. So they're chasing Fleance, and they're like, ah, oh, come here, you wee bull bag, and it's all very
0: exciting. And Good bit, he's all swinging on ropes, jumping over moats and ha-ha's. Yeah, there's a bit of a train and he goes gets past it just before they do and they're like oh, and then he And goes, then
1: another scene they're on top of the train and one of the murderers gets decapitated yeah. and so Fleance escapes and the murderers are like, well that's not great but I suppose we got the job half done let's go tell Macbeth. <laughs> now we cut to Macbeth's big feast in the palace. The working lunch if you will. Daniel, what do you think they're serving?
0: Uh, Colin Skink.
1: Ooh, yeah. Scotland is just basically meat and carbs and salt. It's a real Chef Boyardee ass diet. And I was thinking, Lady Macbeth's kidney stones must be outrageous.
0: The kidney stone of <laughs> Scoon. <Schoon. laughs> yeah.
1: So everyone's partying and chatting. It's a great time had by all. Oh dear, what could possibly be keeping Banquo? One of the murderers enters and pulls Macbeth aside, and he's like, Okay, the job's done, boss. Kinda. Fleant escaped, we'll take care of him another day. And Macbeth is really uneasy about this development and it sort of triggers one of his spells. So Macbeth, you know, he gets his act together, gets his charm on and begins to deliver a toast until, oh my God, is that Banquo's ghost? It shows up and sits in Macbeth's place at the table. Now, the body hasn't been discovered yet, so Macbeth cannot reveal that he knows about Banquo's death. And he has a proper freak-out, but it's interesting because he's freaking out but trying to hold it together, Mm -hmm. and the more he tries to hold it together, the more he freaks out, and it just weirds out all of the lords. This
0: is what I'm like as a host.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I could see that. My kingdom, though, for ghost hunting equipment, I have never heard a ghost himbo's EVP before. What would that be? What's EVP? Electronic voice phenomena. Ghost voice, friend. It's like when people, you know, record things and they hear a little creepy voice in the background, like when people go to Gettysburg.
0: He just keeps going, You're in my place. (laughs) (laughs) So, 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 the worst thing about being haunted is when they've taken your seat. I want to sit down.
1: Uh, yeah, and you don't want to look like Clint Eastwood screaming at an empty chair, and yet here we are.
0: <laughs> yes, cussing Clint.
1: Eastwood. <laughs> so Lady Macbeth tries to super downplay his like psychotic break or whatever. She's like, "Oh, it's just a silly little quirk of my husband's. No big deal," but everyone's kind of giving him the side eye, and it gets so bad that Lady Macbeth just has to call off the party and send everyone home. And once they're alone, she's able to sort of calm him again, and that's when he starts talking real business. You know what? You know the thing I think that's actually bugging me the most? I've summoned Macduff here a bunch of times, and he won't obey me, the new king. Do you think he suspects something? Uh, Baby, I gotta go see the Weird Sisters tomorrow. I gotta ask for their witchy advice. They give great advice. I need to double down on this
0: action plan. We get a couple of intermediary scenes.
1: Is Donald Bain in any of them?
0: He can be. First, we're back with the witches on the heath. They're being visited by their boss, goddess of witchcraft, Hecate. I think it's Hecat in the play. Okay.
1: Well, she's, yeah, she's given him a bit of an annual performance review. Yeah. It isn't going that great.
0: No. Some people think this scene was added in by some later playwright anyway. Oh, okay. So. Why? Because it sucks? Yeah. She's like, anyway, you need to finish the job. Tell Macbeth a few more predictions so we can just see to it that his downfall is complete. Next, from the spiritual to the temporal, we're with <laughs> Scottish noble Lennox and another lord. God, you're cool. That was a cool delivery. Yeah, thank you. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so, the pair of them, they don't really trust Macbeth, and they think that Malcolm and we Donald Bain are innocent. <gasps> hey, it wouldn't hurt to fly. <laughs> I'm in Ireland for no reason. <laughs> I keep thinking um, about in Indiana Jones when what's-his-face... Short round? No. I can see why you think that, but no. then Elliot, they're all like, he can speak th- five languages. <laughs> Marcus. Got, yeah, yeah. And Donald Bane, it would just be in Ireland just going, Oh, excuse me, excuse me, I can't <laughs> find my way. Have you got a piece of tablet for me to eat?
1: <laughs> Is that like the tablet that you wanted to eat in Gilgamesh? That's a joke.
0: Oh yeah, no. Isn't tablet some really really sugary Scottish? It's, it's sack? Sh-
1: more sugary than pure sugar. It's like a grittier fudge, but oh, wow. does not taste
0: good. Okay, well Donald Bain loves the stuff. Okay, my teeth, I got no. I have good no teeth. I don't even remember. Where I'm, I'm so sorry. I'm so <laughs> sorry. sorry. No. So Lennox and this other lord, they don't trust Macbeth. They think that Malcolm and Donald Bain are innocent, and it turns out they reveal that Macduff. He's already gone dune sooth to England to support Malcolm's claim to the throne. Malcolm and Macduff, don't know what Donald Bain's doing, they've enlisted the help of the English king to try and restore Malcolm to the throne.
1: So, back to the witches, and they're in the middle of making kind of a weird trail mix. I think the listeners at home, I, I invite you to sing along if you know the words, and I just wish that we could get a little bouncing ball over the lyrics eye of newt and toe of frog, wool of bat and tongue of dog, adder's fork and blindworm's sting, lizard's leg and owlet's wing, double-double toil and trouble, fire burn, and cauldron bubble. Then we get some ingredients. A lot of things that are hard to come by in Scotland. A mummy's maw and gulf, baboon blood, and then we get to the racist ingredients. Including liver of a blaspheming Jew, nose of Turk, and Tartar's lips.
0: Right, i got a question about this one. I wrote it down so you know what the question is. Blaspheming Jew. Do they want a Jew that has blasphemed against Yahweh? Or do they consider all Jews blasphemers?
1: Probably all Jews bla- right. Ooh, I don't know. That's a good question. I don't... I, so that's what
0: I'd be like if I were the apothecary, the witch's apothecary. I'd be like, well, you're really asking two questions there, love.
1: <laughs> So, um... <laughs> yeah. You know, just a, 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 literally a sprinkling of racism.
0: Yeah, that's what witchcraft's all about, isn't it?
1: Anyway, one of the witches stops stirring in her big cauldron and she says, By the pricking of my thumbs, something wicked this way comes. In walks Macbeth.
0: It's like a sitcom, is it? Yeah, he Kramers it in there.
1: Hey guys, whatcha doing? Oh, this? This big pot of magic chili? Don't worry about it, what do you want? So it turns out he needs them to tell his future again. Ladies, what do I have to do to maintain my power? Okay, Macbeth, well, here are three things you need to know. And as they say each of these, a different ghostly image appears before Macbeth. The first one is beware Macduff. And I'm like, yeah, no shit. And this is accompanied by a sort of severed head in armor. Secondly, you can rest easy because no man quote of woman born shall harm macbeth that's accompanied by a vision of a bloody child no man of woman born but that's everybody i'm invincible stab me stab me in the neck right now he goes and they're like all right calm down Mm. the third thing you need to know quote Macbeth will never vanquished be until great Burnham Wood to high Dunsinane Hill shall come against him. And that is accompanied by the vision of a child crowned with a tree in its hands. And so Macbeth's like, what? So I'll only be defeated once a forest, miles and miles away from my castle, gets up and walks to my front door to fight me? Great. Ladies, I see no loopholes. I thank you. Guess that means I'm good to go. I'm still going to kill Macduff, of course, but um, (laughs) yeah, back to throwing your racist ingredients into your crock pot. So later, Macbeth chats with Lennox, and he breaks the news. Macduff, your servant, who you know has not been responding to your invitations that's because he's not in scotland anymore he's fled to england to be with prince malcolm just out of murdering range and macbeth's like damn it although if he's not at home to defend it how about i mosey over to fife and have his wife and children killed maybe that will lure him back
0: we cut to we... donald Bain? no um we cut to Macduff's castle it, uh, this is this thing's got kids in it so don't worry your will You'll <laughs> be alright.
1: They're not like Donald. No,
0: they're not like Donald Bane. Not for much longer, anyway. <laughs> so, Lady MacDuff is fretting about being abandoned by her husband.
1: Uh, she's bitching about being abandoned by her husband.
0: Justifiably, it transpires. So, she thinks it makes him look a bit dodgy that. You know, that he had something to do with Duncan's murder by running off like this. And she even tells her young son that his father is basically a traitor and that they should just think of him as being dead from now on.
1: Stone cold! All the women in this play have giant cojones. Respect. Continue.
0: <laughs> so, soon enough, we get some more of Macbeth's goons. They've come to kill her and all the little Macdufflets. <laughs> So... Yeah, sad, isn't it? So, McDuff's son calls one of the murderers a shag-eared villain. So, them's fighting words, really. And the murderer's like, oh yeah, you're an egg. <laughs> <laughs> um, don't know what that's about.
1: I think it means unformed, like you're not even a real person yet.
0: All right, He's the kind of very late, thousand weeks school of abortion, is he? <laughs> um, so... <laughs> Then this murderer stabs the boy, and then all the rest of the family get killed. It's all very upsetting. Rip McDufflets. Now we cut to England. Bowling greens. You know, it's nice. So, Macduff and Prince Malcolm, they're having a chat about Macbeth's- I feel so sorry for Donald Bain. he's obviously- they've tricked him, haven't they? This is like when Rosencrantz and Guildenstern got sent to be killed by the pirates. I, I think, think it Donald if- Bay's just like, Oh, why are you putting me in this Iron Maiden? You know, I just feel sorry for him, that he's- he's out of politics.
1: Maybe he's having a lovely time. Maybe he's been taken in by a nice family on a farm.
0: Ooh,
1: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, you're right. I mean, Donald Bane does not come back into this. It sent him to the country they're at war with.
0: Yeah. Oh. Macduff and Malcolm, they're having a chat about Macbeth's tyranny over Scotland.
1: We've cut Feels over like some like time. Like, time has passed, like, yeah. time passed, and Macbeth has... He was God's own quarterback at the beginning of the play, and when they elected him, now all of a sudden
0: he's apparently
1: this horrible tyrant.
0: He's- They generally conclude that Macbeth is a wrong one.
1: Prince Malcolm has this whole discussion, though, about, like, well, would I be a better king, though? The the fact
0: that you would even ask that (laughs) shows you would be.
1: (laughs) So, yeah, he he and Macduff have this whole chat, and they're like, yeah, okay, Macbeth is a tyrant, and he's murderous and vengeful and greedy, and everyone knows it, but, you know, I, Prince Malcolm, I'm really horny, (laughs) no harm near the daughter <laughs> what's wrong with these
0: these two boys
1: <laughs> quote there's no bottom none in my voluptuousnesses. your wives your daughters your matrons and your maids could not fill up the cistern of my lust so oh, he's yeah. basically li- for telling us that Malcolm. yeah thanks <laughs> so, so I guess it's better I, that Macbeth be the king than somebody with such a strong libido as mine To which I say, my dude, f***ing Qua, what are you talking about? That is kinging 101. You are entitled to sleep with anything that stays still long enough. That is not going to impact your ability to rule
0: at all. Well, I suppose if he's doing it a lot. He'll be fine. He might not be able to come up with policies. (laughs)
1: Well, he just goes on and on about how, actually, you know what, he's kind of content to just be an expat f*** boy, and I will begrudgingly respect that. Shoot, I should have said respect there.
0: So, anyway, a Scottish nobleman, Ross, turns up, um, just like, oh, how are my family doing? Hey, hello. No, he's not like, didn't talk like that. He's like, Oh, how are my family doing? Oh, yeah. And uh, Ross is like, uh, Yeah, they're all right. Actually, in truth, quote, Your castle's surprised, your wife and babe savagely slaughtered. I don't know why you would bother lie at first. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So, Macduff, he can't believe it. All my pretty ones. And everyone's like, Oh, don't worry, we'll kill Macbeth. Quote, this is what Malcolm says let let grief convert to anger blunt not the heart enrage it so you know don't worry you'll get all your grief out on killing Macbeth but Macduff he doesn't very understandably think that that's really a suitable way of making amends for your family being killed so
1: all the same he's like strap on the battle kill
0: oh yeah yeah he's gonna kill Macbeth he's like yeah I'll kill the guy but but." I'm
1: still gonna (laughs) feel really really crummy after only feelings we cut back to Dunsinane Castle. A doctor is talking to one of Lady Macbeth's ladies-in-waiting, and things haven't been going so great for Lady Macbeth lately. She's been sleepwalking a lot. It's really creeping everyone out, and sure enough, Lady Macbeth comes in carrying a candle. Her eyes are wide open, but she's 100% asleep. And she starts rubbing her hands like she's trying to wash them. Quote, out, damn spot. Who would have thought the old man to have so much blood in him? She starts babbling on about her guilt, which is not at all incriminating. And the doctor sort of ushers the lady in waiting out. He's like, babe, we are here in shit That's way above our pay grade. We gotta bounce before we're killed next. And the, the doctor basically ends on, like, Lady Macbeth, get therapy.
0: Meanwhile, there's a lot of meanwhiles in this play, aren't there? It just cut around a lot. It
1: cuts back and forth, it's but like I like I like that because it's it's very cinematic. Oh yeah,
0: yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: We'll talk about that later. But I was wondering what the time scale is. Is this, I mean, is this in the course of a month, a year, ten years? Like we're not really sure. Two
0: thousand years. Imagine that. <laughs> Imagine if that out Macbeth actually took place over two thousand years.
1: I mean, that's that's my casting. It's a space opera.
0: Great. Excellent. Okay. I look forward to that. We open onto a bunch of Scottish lords, and it turns out that Malcolm and Macduff's English-supported army have turned up in Scotland. They're currently encamped in Burnham Wood.
1: <gasps> From the prophecy?
0: The very same. Macbeth has fortified Dunsinane, but these lords that we uh, are kind of looking in on, they are like, I think I'll still join the English forces because Macbeth is a wrong
1: Oh, it looks like Macbeth's about to get battered, but he likes that because he's scottish and they like to deep fry things i'm sorry that's a bad
0: joke Yep. never had that what i haven't
1: like a deep fried mars bar yeah. or something you
0: have, haven't yeah
1: yeah i mean you, that's only, pretty good. you only need one of those in your lifetime oh, but they're exactly. very nice
0: well, two and you're, <laughs> <laughs> you're, on your, you're on your way out
1: I like this that it sort of opens with a, a sort of Benedict Arnold situation. Somebody, you know, turning traitor against Scotland, and that's bad. But here they're like, we we almost have to like two wrongs do make a right. Mm. We have to do it to restore Scotland.
0: So yeah, things are going a bit south for Macbeth but he acts like he doesn't think so. <laughs> we get this sort of like Hitler in the bunker scene where he's just generally acting tyrannical and crazy. Ooh,
1: yeah, that's exactly what it's like. It is a Hitler in the bunker scene. Yeah. I gotta be honest, Macbeth scares the s*** out of me in this scene. It feels like he's just come back in from the parking lot where he's been huffing something off a rag.
0: I dig. Yeah. So anyway, the doctor comes to to tell Macbeth that his wife has gone mad. Quote, Full physic to the dogs. That's what Macbeth says. I'm going to fate everyone and win. So, medicine, that's bollocks.
1: Yeah, just examine or piss or something. You're a medieval doctor. I don't care. Just fix it.
0: That's what this is about. It's a STEM anti... <laughs> Macbeth is actually quite a good ruler, in large part because he funds the arts very effectively.
1: The witches are there doing their performance art, their little yeah. interpretive dances. But all the
0: horrible bean counters in England, (laughs) Malcolm and all that lot, they want to bring STEM back.
1: What would Donald Bain study at university? Ah, well,
0: he was... I don't don't know about about clever things like that, I just... What would he study? I don't want to say anything bitchy because that might be people that did the course.
1: You can surely get to the spirit of Donald Bain. Hotel management.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I love that. Oh. (laughs) I just really believe in hospitality. I'm very, <laughs> very prude to serve uh, kippers. Oh, we should talk
1: about hospitality sure. later on, shouldn't we? So now we cut back to Prince Malcolm and the soldiers in Burnham Wood. Hey, I have an idea, lads. It's going to be night soon and hard to see. So let's make it harder for Macbeth to spot us by breaking off a ton of big branches from these trees and using them as camouflage to sneak up on Dunsinane Castle. By the time they notice the forest is moving... It'll be too late
0: They should uh, camp on a beach And then each would pick up a grain of sand and. Uh, <laughs> 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 Sorry. Um.
1: Back at the castle Macbeth continues to be really smug Because remember, he thinks he's invincible But then he's like What's that noise? Why are women crying in the castle? One of his servants is like uh, I don't really know how to break this to you, my king But um, your wife has jumped off the castle walls She's dead Macbeth is kind of weirdly chill about this, or resigned or something. I mean, I I sure as hell wouldn't be if I had to get back out on the Inverness single scene. Mm. But he's kind of like, well, she would have died at some point anyway. Quote, Tomorrow and tomorrow and tomorrow creeps in this petty pace from day to day to the last syllable of recorded time. And all our yesterdays have lighted fools the way to dusty death. Out, out, brief candle. And I, I like that because it recalls her out-damned-spot mm. moment. And then he he goes on to say, Life's but a walking shadow, a poor player that struts and frets his hour upon the stage, and then is heard no more. It is a tale told by an idiot, full of sound and fury, signifying nothing. I saw a tweet once that said the tomorrow and tomorrow and tomorrow speech is the equivalent of that Smash Mouth song where they say the years start coming and they don't stop coming. <laughs>
0: I don't know that song.
1: <laughs> I also think that going forward, this podcast is just going to be me recounting excellent tweets. Yeah. There's nothing more entertaining to our listeners trying to study than me haphazardly recounting somebody else's tweet. That's just good podcasting.
0: I, I agree.
1: Okay. Macbeth has no time to grieve his wife because another messenger comes in and he's like, uh, I don't I'm know. Up to my neck of the messengers here. What the hell's going on? <laughs> know how to describe what i need to tell you but something very weird is afoot the forest burnham wood well it's kind of moving now this gets an emotional reaction from macbeth when his wife's death didn't sure enough three miles away the trees are slowly moving closer and macbeth realizes this is more than just a siege he's gonna have to fight
0: and so we enter endgame.
1: God damn it, Daniel. the
0: English army, they throw down their leafy screen to confront Macbeth's forces.
1: Oh, so it's like a big sexy action sequence that's kind of a framing device because Macbeth started on a big sexy action
0: sequence. If you will. It's
1: it's a nice bookend, I think.
0: But with more leaves this time. (laughs) Yeah. Leaves are in a book. Interesting. The, the English force gets to the castle, but Macbeth, he's still, he's swagging around, he's killing a few people, and he's remarking, like, Swords I smile at, weapons laughter scorn, brandished by a man that's of woman born, so... Oh, cool action yeah, movie yeah. banter. Exactly. Were you
1: born of woman? Eat it, dickhead!
0: Oh, well, yeah. Uh, <laughs>
1: <laughs> he can only be hurt by, like, somebody who sprang fully formed out of their father's head, or, like, punched their way up through the crust of the earth. Or was made like Edward's scissor hands.
0: Okay, Macduff he enters the castle. Ooh, final boss battle. Oh yeah, he's like, turn, hellhound, turn or hellhound? I don't know." So it's time for a big fight. Macbeth's like, "Oh, I don't want to fight you." Quote, "My soul is too much charged with the blood of thine already." <laughs> That's harsh, isn't it? It's a low blow. And Macduff's like, "I have no words. My voice." As in my sword
1: Oh that's a cool action he's, line he's That good good really guy. is they're,
0: they're, both, they're both pretty cool guys aren't they in their, in their ways Their respective ways Macbeth's unfazed And he's like Don't you know A better charmed life Which must not yield to one Of woman born
1: oh, Time for our big Witch king I am no man
0: Bombshell It's just like that Well dickhead <laughs> As Shakespeare famously yeah. wrote Despair thy charm And let the angel whom thou still hast served tell thee, Macduff was from his mother's womb untimely ripped." So it's a sort of fudge, a bit like the Burnham Wood thing, it's a fudge. Burnham Wood didn't actually walk to Dunsinane, some guys with twigs. In the same way, because Macduff was born via a caesarean section, that means he's not been born.
1: Well, but if you don't go through the cooter, you're not properly born. I mean, I'm a C-section baby. That would explain my, like... Living death. Yeah.
0: Okay. Macbeth, he's really fiercely fighting, but Macduff comes out on top and kills the bugger.
1: Oh, mighty Casey. Always striking out.
0: That, Cape, it's ca- the quarterback thing?
1: Casey at bat, it's a baseball thing. Okay. Different sports. Don't worry your head about it. It's
0: like rounders, isn't it? <laughs> so the battle's over and all the victors are there. Hooray, Malcolm. Fleance! He's there. Normal beans back in Ireland. <laughs> <laughs>
1: want to participate in the battle. Can you imagine the postcards Donald Bain was
0: sending? <laughs> I saw a goose uh, uh, on the giant's Cosby <laughs> and I weaved it <laughs> Um Alright. Um, so, they're, and they're all worried that Macduff is dead, but he arrives and he's like, Hail Malcolm, King of Scotland. Look at this. Feast, feast your pearly white eyes <laughs> on this. And it's Macbeth's severed head.
1: It's kind of like a cat giving a dead bird to the family as a gift. Sweet, really.
0: Yeah, the human-cat relationship is a bit feudal, isn't it? You're right. So Malcolm's like, Okay, well, we've got a lot of work to do now sorting Scotland out after, quote, this dead butcher and his fiend-like queen. So, anyway, now a crowning we shall go. But remember, the prophecy
1: isn't fully over because Fleance, Banquo's heir, he will become king after Malcolm. So more f***ery afoot, methinks.
0: Room for a sequel. I mean, there wasn't one, but there's room for a sequel, (laughs) that's what we like.
1: All right, Daniel, are you ready for some casting? Yes, please. All right, so there have been a lot of really good adaptations of Macbeth. I don't think I can improve on them. So what I would love instead is a version that shows us all the scenes that Shakespeare doesn't. So it would be a movie that's in the negative spaces of the play. That w-
0: Donald Bain and David <laughs> Stern are dead. Is that what you're thinking of?
1: Yeah, I, I think like the early betrayal of Cawdor, the first battle, Macbeth first telling his wife about the prophecy, them working through the decision to kill the king, his ascension to the throne and politicking, then his fall into tyranny, their descent into madness. Like, there's a lot of stuff that Shakespeare doesn't Mm, show. suicide. Yeah, exactly. Because the play shows these things after they've happened, and sometimes it's a bit abrupt. So Mm. I kind of thought that might be a nice companion piece as for the director i want this to be a 1970s gritty sam peckinpah like hyper masculine depressed and violent nothing to lose kind of film Mm. and the casting it's the 1970s it's got to be sean connery as macbeth as lady macbeth i was thinking you got to have somebody who can really pull off the sweet veneer and it'd be more shocking for being as violent as she is. I want Julie Andrews as Lady Macbeth. The
0: juxtaposition would be Ooh, really good. Yeah, very good.
1: Now you had a casting, am I right?
0: <laughs> well, well, I was just thinking that I wanted Banquo and Fleance to be played by the Crankies, but oh, now Daniel. Donald Bain has <laughs> been. Maybe Donald Bain should just be wee Jimmy Cranky.
1: <laughs> Guys, look up the Crankies if you haven't. They are um fixtures in Scotland, and from what I could tell in my time, they're pretty universally reviled. <laughs> and now for our segment, Bad Goodreads Reviews. Now, maybe because I refused to get to understand the language of his plays, I found it really difficult to know what people were saying or doing. One star. Yeah, if you're refusing to engage, I suppose that would have an impact. Wouldn't it? Macbeth was a dumb book. Only physco people like it i think they're trying to say psycho i feel like lady macbeth was a really ugly chick i'm not sure why i think that but i do one star firstly i guess i'm a fisco because i happen to enjoy this a lot secondly misogyny misogyny is why you think lady macbeth is an ugly chick just simple misogyny
0: I like the way you just saying you're like a teacher and you're like, well, I suppose that makes me a physco, <laughs> because I think it's very good. Uh, and a lot of other very intelligent people must also be physcos.
1: So, let's do some analysis, please.
0: Form. I would start there. Why change now? <laughs> so, it's much more concise than a work like Hamlet, even more so than a fella. I think it might be one of his shortest plays. Does that make Shakespeare his most conventionally or maybe classically tragic? Kind of not really, because there's a lot of flitting around in location, but there is that sort of inexorable sense of collapse, isn't there? That's very sort of classical it, tragedy.
1: Yeah, it's it's more like the ancient Greek tragedy where it's not a lot of wasted words or emotions mm. or scenes, and and here I think not only is it his shortest. But it has the most action. Like there, there are very few wasted scenes. Mm. Every scene has it's like a new exciting set piece, and something is happening. Something really important to the plot and the dynamics.
0: There is still like a lot of like local color and stuff. Like obviously the witches and everything. Well,
1: but I don't think that's wasted because <gasps> that's
0: what I was about to say. Though it's, like, it's I think it's good
1: pacing. Yeah, I think this is pacing. But it's, also, the it's best. also good
0: exposition, isn't it? I was thinking about the scene with the lords talking about how the English are in Burnham Wood, and they don't like Macbeth. And that gives us a kind of new vantage onto things. Mm -hmm. So that's good, I thought. Well done, Shakespeare.
1: (laughs) I mean, the only thing that I would say, there are a few things that feel a little abrupt. Lady Macbeth sort of slipping into such a severe madness, more severe Mm, than her husband. That seems a little bit out of nowhere, but I suppose that's something that a good actress and a good director can thread through the earlier parts of the play well
0: i was gonna say that i think there's some people who think that because you know there's the two main sources for shakespeare's works are the quarto editions Mm -hmm. and the folios yeah and i think i can't remember the which one i think it's the folios generally are much longer than the quarto versions so the hamlet in the folio has all these like all the big soliloquies Mm -hmm. the quarto it's mainly just like the action if you can say that about hamlet macbeth is only in the quarto i think So I think some people think there might have been a longer Macbeth Ah. that's gone missing. But I like I think this is pretty good.
1: (laughs) Yeah, and the fact that there's a lot of, you know, sort of cutting between events, Mm. the fact that there isn't a lot of fat on this, it makes it feel very cinematic, very Mm, dynamic. You can see why this has been adapted so many times. It makes for a much better film than something like Hamlet.
0: The big thing I was thinking was not just cuts, but there's also, like, simultaneity stuff. Macbeth and Lady Macbeth talking about the party. Meanwhile, we have Banquo's murder that lends itself to cutting back and forth between Mm -hmm. them saying like, you know, put on big smiles. Meanwhile, Bangor is getting done in. And and I mean, like simultaneity is a big sort of filmic device. It it?
1: it heightens the dread, it heightens the irony if we sort of know these things are happening at the same time. It feels like a, if not a maturation of Macbeth he becomes a lot more aware he starts out a bit of a you know chattish himbo himself and then as this goes on you can see he becomes a lot more aware of Mm. the
0: world around him which of course is a tragic device as well isn't it yeah so speaking of macbeth's volition go on the big thing i was thinking was agency Mm -hmm. i mean like this people have said this since time immemorial but The play is like seems to be really about like where what is volition and what is agency and where do where do they come from because
1: is he fated to do it do the witches cast a spell on him do they plant the seed yeah was he always going to do it
0: yeah did we not even need the witches yeah
1: especially because you know he's been made a sort of double thane like that might alone have put the idea in his head Mm. of you know I'm really climbing the ladder here yeah
0: it's the idea that predicting the future if that's what's gonna happen, you almost don't really even need to know it. Do yeah. you know what I mean? Like, But th- again, he's trapped by a series of um, different impulses, mm-hmm. either from the supernatural, literally, or just from suggestion via the witches. Even without the witches, mm.
1: even if he didn't think of it on his own to kill Duncan, Lady Macbeth probably would yeah. have.
0: Yeah, also psychology, I suppose. that, like, How much does madness inform characters' dis- decisions? How much does the rational part of the mind? and?
1: Well, that's what I wanted to ask you, because the Oof. big directorial decision in this play is, Do you actually show Banquo's ghost? Do you actually show the dagger floating before Macbeth? Or do you have the actor up there with nothing? Like, is this a real supernatural, Mm. the audience can see it too, or are we led to believe he's just gone mad.
0: <laughs> that's a fun thing when you go and see a production of My Beth, you can mm-hmm. see how they deal with that. There is a sense of doubling up throughout the play of like a supernatural sphere and a political sphere and, and how much they're just mirrors of each other. It seems like a kind of concern of the play that it doesn't necessarily answer, but like invites us to explore.
1: Yeah, I think that's important that this play can't resolve that You know, is the supernatural real? Is he just mad? All of these political things versus the... Yeah, like, we can't unravel that. Mm. The text provides evidence for both. Yeah. And that's fine. That's a really nice tension.
0: Gender. Is this play... sexist play
1: well i hate to be this person but i saw a tweet once go on that said Macbeth had to do it because his wife triple dog dared him and i thought that was really funny given the masculinity reading of that of like if somebody dares you you have to Mm. rise to certain occasions but also the fact that it's his wife doing it and the tension of i technically rule over her but her judgment rules mm-hmm. over me, and the sexual dynamics of the, you get the sense that he's underperforming in the bed. She, I mean, she talks about like I was really attracted to you for once, you know, when you had some balls, but now, you know, yeah, she, no,
0: definitely, yeah. Well, that's, I was thinking that too. That more generally, there's that sense of like women as like string pullers mm-hmm. and naggers. So that's Lady Macbeth and the witches. I was thinking that that's a like, that's a very soft form of power, and that's yeah. also feminine, isn't it? It's like we've got the kind of honest, manly power of like chopping people's heads off, and then the supernatural, the intrigue, the yeah. coerce—not coercive, but kind yeah, of. It is. kind of soft power. All of that's kind of feminized.
1: I'm always quite impressed with Lady Macbeth when I read this. Mm. Where I'm just like, she's really doing everything here but she's so restricted she has to do it through her husband or not at all Mm. and you do sort of get the sense of what would she be able to accomplish if she didn't have to do this through her husband if she wasn't essentially being a child binder Mm. she's trying to do her own plot and having to wrangle him every five minutes mm. and tend to him and soothe him and...
0: Oh, I mean, yeah, you definitely like he, spin it differently, can't you? Th- you th- there's a certain
1: childish element to... Or, or a certain, like, um, perverted motherly, like, maternal mm. role.
0: So you're suggesting that Macbeth and Lady Macbeth be played by the Crankies?
1: I... You know what? Now that you say it, now that I hear it, do we think Lady Macbeth actually died? I think this was all part of her act. She's like, mm, ranks are closing in. She's f***ed off to Europe, and now she's queen of Lotharingia.
0: Well, we both know that wasn't around in the 11th century. Come on.
1: (laughs) Can I not just have a funny name?
0: I welcome references to Lotharingia. Okay. Keep it in, but I'm just, I want it it on the record. (laughs) We both know that wasn't around then. But do we think she actually died?
1: We never see it.
0: It is, again, a fudge that we don't see her die. Not that I want to see Lady Macbeth die, but I feel like she needs a earned, she. She does. She's earned a big scene. Yeah, yeah. she has. Uh, so yeah, a standout floor in the play.
1: Unless we could slip in a line, and maybe maybe this is in the missing what is it folio or whatever. Mm. Maybe there's a line where one of her ladies in waiting is like, yeah, she's not dead. She's pulled in Andy Dufresne. She's in the sewers. She's making a break for it. They'll never catch her. They'll never take her alive. And then
0: she's like walking along the beach at the end, and then she just sees Donald Bain. <laughs> For Scraping
1: a, a bow. Yeah.
0: Um,
1: oh, I miss my friends.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so, it's a little nice, there's a little, yeah, after the credits. <laughs>
1: uh. <laughs> this is so stupid. Wait, should we move on to advice? Yes, yes. Okay, so I want to talk to you guys about preparedness and how this affects your learning. So in our classes when we teach, obviously we do care if a student has read the texts but we prefer that you can just be able to talk about the texts in class. And that's a very different thing. So with something as famous as Macbeth, There is no reason any student couldn't find time to read, like, a Wikipedia summary and at least prepare a little bit beforehand. Like, even if you don't have time to read the whole thing, make sure you have a base level of knowledge because that's going to enable you in class to make greater connections when your teacher starts talking about specifics because you're already going to know the basic plot, the characters, and some of the major themes. So if you go in having done absolutely nothing, you're just not gonna get very much out of it and the solution is really easy like with famous books just go on wikipedia and read a five-minute summary it's better than nothing truly
0: here bloody here
1: you're the one who started this saying we don't care if you've read the text we care if you can talk about it in class and i actually think that's helpful
0: i do have some interesting and pertinent things to say i do you're a good teacher thank you
1: right so now our clue to the next episode guys we are entering winter and a major moment in our next book revolves around a classic recreational winter activity. Ooh. Now, I can think of at least three books off the top of my head that would fit the bill. Some big climactic moment around you know
0: cool running's the novel the two the two-man luge <laughs> yeah, correct okay. Yep, that's
1: what we're doing yeah all right so please write into our email at save me from my shelf at gmail.com with any recommendations we're always really happy to get those tweet us at smfms underscore podcast we are on instagram we are on tiktok uh, we have a patreon as we said you know do the rate review thing like Yeah, you guys have heard this all before. You're sick of me bloody talking about it.
0: The very least you could do is rate, review, and surprise. Surprise.
1: Surprise us with a rate, review, and subscribe.
0: Yeah. (laughs) I don't know how many many times I have to say it.
1: Okay, guys, we will see you in two weeks. You take the
0: high road, and I'll take the low. You always take the low road. Okay. Thanks for listening to Save Me From My Shelf. Our music is... The Overture to Don Giovanni by Mozart and cover art is by Catherine Wu. Our thanks to Aston University's Center for Critical Inquiry and to society and culture for funding the startup of this podcast. Contact us at savemefrommyshelf at gmail.com or at smfms underscore podcast on Twitter. And do not, I'm going to remind you, do not forget to rate, review. And subscribe do not forget thank you